0: Welcome back my fellow creatives we're here on you've got five pages to tell me it's good to see if a new release on in my library can indeed in five pages tell me it's good here's the bugger boo though uh, my, my daughter blondie has been uh, nagging me for quite a while now to review a particular book. And when I discovered the, um, mystery I thought would be a good mystery to review today, um, is actually like a direct sequel and it's really vague. (laughs) Um, uh, with how it starts, I realized this, that that, that's not fair. It, 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 that will not be a good one to start with. So I took up my daughter on her offer and I am, reviewing beasts and beauty dangerous tales i'm going to oh hopefully i don't butcher this author's name soman chainani Chainani. Chainani. it is by the same person who wrote the school for good and evil series so uh has done quite a bit with young adult middle grade type stuff and he looks like he loves writing for kids and such and that's the thing my daughter said this was a really neat collection that twists the fairy tale stuff up a lot so i thought okay why not i mean the col- the cover of the book is really engaging i mean the top is all these what look like thorns but there's a giant wolf's head coming down and there's like drool raining down from his jaws and then there's this little girl with the red hood and cape but she's got a dagger too so it's like hey that's not your typical red riding hood so it it looks really promising and considering this person you know, if if he's written the School for Good and Evil series, well, okay, he did, obviously. Um, he clearly has a love for fairy tale lawyer lore. So this could be a lot of fun. All right. I mean we're not gonna be able to read all of them, obviously, but we can at least take a look at how the first story starts and and find out if these are indeed worth reading. Not just because Blondie says so. I mean Blondie has pretty good taste, but let's 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 see how we feel as picky readers and working writers oh my goodness that illustration that is neat and frightening okay so the first story is red riding hood and there is a color illustration with the title and it's tree branches with pine needles okay but there's also a tooth hanging from a branch on a string and there's blood dripping from the tooth not like it's a tooth yanked out of someone it's like a tooth that like was used to stab someone (laughs) this is for kids okay anyway i don't know maybe that says something i let my kid just hey that looks good sure but in my defense it was in the kids section all right moving on beginning of the story On the first day of spring, the wolves eat the prettiest girl. All right, that's 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 quite the first line there. Um, yeah, I'm gonna pause for a second. I mean, we have a very, a very violent first line. It's clearly got action, and we have a sense of time. Oh my goodness! All right, well, let's keep going. They warn the town which girl they want, slashing the door to her house and urinating on the step. No one sees the wolves, just as no one sees the dew before it sops the grass. As winter wanes, the town thinks the curse broken, seduced by the mercy of spring, but then the marking comes. Sometimes a few weeks before she will be eaten, sometimes a few days for wolves decide on a prey in their own time. But once a girl is chosen, she is theirs. Neither child nor family can appeal. On the eve of spring, the wolves howl for their meal and the town marshals her to the edge of the forest and sends her in. Fail to deliver her and worse things will come than the loss of a pretty girl, though No one knows what these worse things could be. Soon the second howl echoes from the forest's belly. Quieter, sated, the wolves' work done. The people disperse, the girl forgotten, a price to pay for time unfettered. But spring lurks, another year gone houses shudder despite the haze of sunset the sweet riot of blooms a mother and father sit lips cracked nails torn watching the girl as she gnaws the last meat off a bone her russet hair dipping in the juice circling her plate they didn't think she'd be trouble born with spindly limbs a pig nose and peasant brown skin a muddy reflection of her makers they were sure they'd have her for life But beauty, like wolves, takes time to settle on its choice. A slow, cold horror seeding in a mother's heart. The girl's eyes deepen to sapphires. Her skin shines like honey. Her neck unfurls with the imperiousness of a swan. Still, the mark on the door surprises her. She was ordinary too long. Beauty came like a malady. She hangs nothing on it like it's paint to peel off to die for such a trifle stupid beasts she doesn't bo- bother with fear all right i got to pause here my kids awesome because i'm so glad she recommended this book oh my goodness there's so the, the prose here is beautiful and also haunting um the, where, where was it? Um, the, I slow, cold horror seeding in a mother's heart. The, oh, I'm sorry, I should back up. But beauty, like wolves, takes time to settle on its choice. A slow, cold horror seeding in a mother's heart. I mean, that's almost a play back to this, the idea of the ugly duckling. You know, a child can start off a scrawny, spindly thing. And and that's a, That's why it's a trope, but that trope starts from somewhere. And and that definitely is rooted in these, in the folklore, in the fairy tales. And I do love how Chainani is taking that and, um, turning it into something that, you know, people usually think is wonderful, but here it is horrifying. And we hear that about the mother. We don't have specific names. That's okay. Um, because it really, the the parents are not primary characters here. <clears throat> and honestly, when you think about Little Red Riding Hood, and, and I, again, I it's been a long time since I've read the original stories. So whether or not there was an actual name for that character, I cannot say. I can't but it looks like uh, Chainani is not going to give her a specific name, but that's okay. She is the female we are following. So pronouns are going to be enough here to be clear about who we're talking to. Oh, and that was another line I really liked. Beauty came like a malady. Again, that awesome juxtaposition of something we presume is good, but it's not. Not in their situation, not in their story world. Loving this. Okay, let's keep going. Virtue is on her side. She reaches for the knife on the table, the one her father used to cut her meat. The steel teeth slaver as she wipes it clean. Grease spotting the cape she's knitted for the occasion. Red as blood, bright as fire. She's asking for it wearing that in the forest but there is no hiding from wolves might as well make it quick the knife heavies in her hand that's an interesting action it all right nope, nope i'm not gonna let's keep going where to keep it i need a basket for grandmother she announces Her mother says nothing. Her father keeps eating. Grandmother's house is across the river. The girl says, I'll send word once I'm safe. It's another play on an old song over the river and through the hills to grandmother's house. Okay. Anyway, her mother gets up, holds her breath as she collects hard wools, soggy fruit, acrid cheese. The father gives his wife a look. Food wasted on a futile mission. But there's no arguing. Not tonight. Besides, his daughter is as stubborn as his wife's mother. The kind of woman who expects a basket from a guest. Even one running from wolves. The sun douses with angry flares. A flame snatched in a fist. The wolves howl from the forest. It is the first time the girl feels scared. Until now, she thought she would beat them somehow. Human against animal. Good against evil. But it is their song that stirs her. A dirge of self-pity. As if they cannot help themselves. They are prisoners of their nature. And goodness is no weapon against the possessed. Oh, this is awesome. Okay. <clears throat> I love how that... um again the beauty of the prose here the sun douses with angry flares of flames snatched in a fist I, that, that's awesome and and we have here the uh the the line that sums up the grandmother we we can picture this this kind of woman so easily i mean so many of us are gonna have different kinds of pictures but we can still relate uh his daughter is as stubborn as his wife's mother the kind of woman who expects a basket from a guest even one running from wolves i love that that says a lot about that character that this girl is you know taking on the presumption she's gonna go visit when everyone knows why she has to go into the forest but it's again it's beautiful storytelling that feels in action that feels present we feel like we're a part of it this is this is such an interesting contrast to what was that earlier book i read where it we're we're following that old woman because women who are in their 70s can apparently outrun a drone I didn't know that was a thing, at least, I don't know, I I guess I haven't met enough 70-some-year-old ladies who have the ability to work out like that. Um, But comparing this book to A Ghost of Caribou, yeah, the one from last week, comparing this prose, which is very active, we're, we are not first person. This is third person omniscient. So it's not like we are experiencing these moments from within the girl, Um, which is, usually it's a pretty safe way to make sure readers feel like they're a part of the story. We still feel like we're a part of the story, even though this is third person omniscient. And I think it helps because the details are so very vivid and they're consistently active. There is always something be uh that, that is happening with the details, not just the characters, but the setting itself, like the sun. There, there's just so much to see and feel. All right, let's we'll do a little bit more here. Even so, she enters the forest calm. The town brings her to the brink, every last man, woman, child, and they wait as she goes, hands clasped, as if praying for her soul. In truth, they are there to stop her from running back. Her slippers crackle over twigs, a tentative path opening before her, the lane of girls sent to die. She remembers these girls. Born beautiful, born marked, skulking furtively about town, avoiding the eyes of those that would sacrifice them. They knew, these sisters, long before the wolves came, they knew they were meat. Oh, that's such a, that's a great tie back to when we first meet this girl, because she's the one that was eating meat. Ah, I could see the connection. This is awesome. Okay. The path narrows, trees snatching at her. She's used to paths closed off. It's not just the beauties who suffer. The other girls are tainted by the wolves too. The girls who weren't picked. Boys rake through them like leftovers it's why any girl who marries one cleans up after him without complaint she's lucky to be alive they tell her in their grunts and growls lucky her beauty isn't worthy of beasts her mother was one of these plucked from the scrap heap the girl saw it in her father's face all men spend their lives yearning for the one they can't have the girl devoured by wolves now they're trapped with second best that's why her father is never happy. She would have married a boy much the same. Not now, though. Whatever happens from here, her life will be different. But a different life comes with a price. It takes walking the path between life and death. Oh. Okay. We, we have to stop. I can't, I can't keep. Uh, oh man. These illustrations are so cool. Okay. All right. I got to stop. I, I am going to heartily recommend this. This sounds like just not for, just, not just for your older kids. Like I definitely would not have tried making Blondie at the age of six or seven, like when she was really into Tinkerbell and things, I would never have made her read a book like this. I think this would have been much too intense. But now that she herself is into the books of dragons and stories that are intense, where characters can die, where she she was crying about a character dying the other day, and I can understand, I think. And that's the thing. We all can relate to that when we care about characters and we care about what happens to them and it is definitely a testament to so much Chainani's writing and again i'm so sorry if i'm saying his name wrong but it is definitely a testament to his writing ability that he is taking stories we have heard since we were little the whole fairy tale thing where we know what's supposed to happen and we know what they do and my what big teeth you have grandma like he's taking those stories and still creating worlds that engage us characters we legit want to know more about and creating worlds we can see and feel even though we are just observers i don't feel like an observer unlike last week with that ghost of a caribou thing i feel like i am a part of this world because there is so much succinct sensory detail alongside action this is marvelously well crafted i'm actually thinking about that school of good and evil thing i mean not not the tv series they're trying to put out but his book series like now i'm wondering like if this is what he can do In short fiction? What's he doing? Novels? That might be worth looking into. So anyway, I am thankful that Blondie forced me to look at that. I am I'm gonna give her a hug when she gets home. And (laughs) well, I always do. Okay, that sounded awkward. I'm gonna thank her when she gets home for making me read that book. Um and let's see what I can find in the library next week. So until then. Read on, share on, and write on, my friends. Cheers.